Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. amazing to me that next week is Easter, and this is the fifth week we've been in this series called One. If you're a guest today, we welcome you. Thank you for uh, coming in on the ark and entering two by two and being a part of our uh, Palm Sunday service. Uh, I thank you for being here, and if you're a guest, we welcome you. Uh, we've had some new staff uh, on board, and today as our first Sunday for our discipleship and missions pastor. So Randall Waller, would you stand? Would you welcome him today to our staff and our church family? And so um, he starts today. His family will be in the second service. And so uh, you've met Ty, who's been doing the announcements uh, and not gotten them right. I just found out uh, the last couple of weeks uh, as our student pastor. And uh, then, uh, of course, Matt and myself. And so and thankful to have more pastors on our staff and elders in our church, and we're looking forward to this next season, uh, really ramping up to get ready for the fall and uh, for our small group ministry, our missions, and uh, and everything else. So I'm excited about what God is doing. Anybody else excited about what God's doing around here? I, I'm excited about it. Hey, we failed to mention, we always celebrate this, uh, but we had two people come to Christ last week at, uh, and, and accept Jesus as their personal Savior. And I just want to celebrate that for a moment. And thank God for that. I am believing that more people will come to Christ uh, because of your efforts and because of God's spirit uh, in the next week. You have one more week to invite someone. And let me say this to you. I shared this last week. Uh, many of you know this. This wall over here, one, are people we we're praying for. Uh, I come by here once a day uh, uh, and pray over that wall. And uh, we have a prayer wall outside where all the names are on that wall. And maybe you haven't put a name up. Maybe you've just thought of a name. And at the end of the service, I challenge you to put that name up as we'll be praying and, uh, intensely for them this week. And it's for them to either come to Easter or it's for you to be able to share the gospel and then receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I don't want you to get discouraged. Uh, my one keeps telling me no. And I keep praying uh, for them. And uh, hopefully they will come. But if they don't, doesn't mean I'm going to stop inviting. So there's not this deadline after Easter where you can't invite them or pray for them. Okay, but we're really pushing Easter, hoping that that happens and comes. Uh, So I hope that you'll participate with that. At the end of the service, I just want to say to you that uh, we have an invitation time. We call it a response where if God's spoken to you, uh, you get a chance to speak back to God. In front of uh, uh, the chair in front of you, seat back pocket, there is a connection card. And sometimes we go so fast that we don't explain this card. If you're a first-time guest, we ask you to fill that out. But if you've made a decision for Christ, you can fill that out too. As well as if you have a prayer request, I pray over every card during the week. If you put confidential, I do not share it with anybody. My staff really guards that. And I would love to spend time praying or dialoguing with you. And uh, there's been a couple of you this week. We've had uh, great email exchanges. So please don't be afraid to do that. Know that we will respond and I will respond personally 
uh, for prayer or something, a uh, decision you've made in your life. I believe that's what church is about. I believe that the local church is supposed to be here to help with the mess called life. Life is messy. That's my theme. My theme because my life has been a mess because I know you. Uh, but that was a joke. Uh, but life is messy. Would you say that with me? Life is messy. Here's what I love. Anything is possible with God. Anything's possible with God. And today I'm going to talk about a group of people that I feel like that is hard to reach. Probably the most misunderstood group of people on planet Earth. Probably people that get judged more than any group of people. And by the way, deservingly gets judged. I believe that they're the people that is easy to not just not like, but use the strong word hate. I believe that this group of people probably is responsible even for evil in this world. I believe that this group of people sometimes get labeled in this category, but are misunderstood. And I believe that one of the hardest groups of people to reach, Jesus reached by reaching one. And I think that he shows us how to do this. And I want to explain it to you in this passage of scripture. I don't know, uh, a couple years ago, I was, I was trying to find exact dates, but I couldn't. I was asked to speak in a church and it was a conference type setting to where there was me and a couple other pastors preaching. I did not know the guy, and he invited me, a mutual friend, and so I did nothing, knew nothing of his church, knew nothing about him. On the recommendation of my friend saying, you need to preach for this guy, you could help them, I went and preached for him. And so I showed up on uh, the service, I think it was a Monday night, and uh, I was the main speaker, and I was going to speak, and I rented a car, and I pulled in the parking lot, and and there was people in the parking lot, and I, I noticed a, a couple people uh, in the parking lot. They were all dressed up, very dressed up, and uh, then they had suit and ties on, and, and they looked like it was a banquet hall at I a mean, church. And I grew up wearing, going to church in a suit and tie, but those days have passed since I uh, became of age, and I can decide what I want to wear when Lori lets me. And uh, so I, I, uh, I, I came dressed like I would dress here, and so I got out and went, wow, man, uh, uh, hopefully not everybody's dressed up like this. I'm going to fill out a place. I walked uh, into the service, and guess what? Everybody, including the pastor that invited me, had on a suit and tie, and the women were all dressed up. And some of you are like, yeah, you should do that now. Well, not going to happen. Anyway, uh, so I, 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 was, I wasn't dressed up. So I preached that night, and I felt so out of place because... I was the only one dressed like a heathen. Everybody else was dressed like Jesus because he wore a suit and tie. You didn't know that. And uh, I, I was like, oh, my word. And so I left. I had to preach Tuesday night. By the way, if you wear a suit and tie, I don't care. I'm wearing uh, uh, something special next week. But anyway, uh, uh, but uh, I, I, I went to the store. I went to a store called Joseph Banks or whatever. And I bought a $500 suit and tie so that I could go there and be dressed up and fit in. So I showed up. I mean, I got this sharp outfit. I, I uh, did YouTube to remember how to tie a tie. And 
uh, I, I walked in there. I was proud as could be. I was even early going to greet everybody. And, and I'm in a suit and tie. And all of a sudden, the pastor comes out in an outfit like you see me have on right now. He had an untucked shirt. He had jeans on. He had tennis shoes. And I'm like, uh, you, you not ready for the service yet? I know it's a little early. And he goes, yeah, I'm ready. I mean, I don't know what you mean. I'm like, well, um, I, uh, yeah. And so people started walking in. They were all dressed that way. I'm like, what is going on? So I preached in a suit and tie while everybody else was in jeans and tennis shoes the second night. And finally, at the end of the service, I said, could you people tell me what you're going to wear the next night so I can fit in one night while I'm here? You know, as silly as that little illustration is, sometimes, I don't know, I think everybody feels this way to a point, but sometimes have you ever felt like you just don't fit in? Have you ever felt where you walk into a room and either you feel this, but it's probably not true, but you feel this and people are either talking about you or you're just so different that you just don't feel comfortable even being in the same room because you just don't fit. You don't fit. And, and because you don't fit, you can do several different responses. You can get mad and criticize the people who aren't like you. That's what a lot of people do is they make themselves feel better. And so they'll tear down everybody else. And this is the reason why I didn't wear a tie. This is the reason why I wear my shirt and tie. And I'm trying to reach out. You know, we, we come up with all these excuses of, of why we do what we do and we get insecure. That's called insecurity. I know some of you men in this room don't, don't want to uh, uh, face that, but it's called insecurity. And so, so we lash out. We get angry or, or we even get mean. Anybody ever gotten mean in their life? Ask a family member next to you and then maybe you'll, you'll get them to raise their hand. So you respond that way. Some people respond by just running, running out, running. I, I'm not good enough or I don't fit in with this crowd or, or I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't belong here or I don't feel like there's any value to my life in this setting. I don't feel like I can help in any way or I don't feel like anybody can help me. They just don't understand. Anybody have a teenager in the house that says, mom, dad, you just don't understand. And you respond, I don't care. Do it any way in the name of Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Don't parent that way. But I think about those instances and I think about the word outcast outcast. Outcast for many reasons. Outcast maybe because it's their own fault. Outcast because they have some issues in life that people don't understand. Outcast because they're just following into the sins of their fathers. Outcast because no one's really ever waded through the mess of their life. But we come to a passage of Scripture where Jesus specifically zones in on the person that's known as the outcast. Can can I say this to you as I start this message? The gospel is for the outcast. Say that with me. The gospel is for the outcast. This is a major theme in the Gospels. It's clearly seen in the story of Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus. They're even outcasts in the modern church today. People who just don't feel like they fit. People in our community that 
have different values or lifestyles. Those who practice other religions. Atheists who work within industries associated with sin. Maybe you've heard of the story of Zacchaeus in, in the Bible. And maybe you've heard of the children's song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Anybody remember that song? Anybody grew up in church? Zacchaeus. I almost wanted to sing it. I thought, no, I lose y'all. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Sunday schools through the years have loved the story of Zacchaeus. At least they love to act out his story and sing about him anyway. The little man who climbs up a tree to see Jesus provides one of the most vivid short stories in the whole Bible. Children can identify with Zacchaeus. They often find themselves in back of a crowd and can't see what's going on. Many adults, too, can identify with him. For too long in churches, this has been a children's story. But in all reality, I think it more identifies with the adults of the world than children of the world when you really dive deep into the story of Zacchaeus. Many adults can identify with him. They might like to get closer to Jesus, but something's stopping them. They might like to get closer to Jesus, but they feel unworthy. They might like to get closer to Jesus, but they're living in sin. They might like to get closer to Jesus, but what will people think? They may like to get closer to Jesus, but pride won't let them. They may like to get closer to Jesus, but there's something just as a barrier for them to get close to Jesus. And I believe even people in this room, some days, sometimes when it comes to the spiritual journey, can feel like an outcast. You see, we've equated American church today as a church that stands up, sits down, and sings some songs that have Jesus in it, and a nice little stories for a couple moments, and fellowship with others, and we call that a church. And sometimes when we push church that way, there's people that get left out. The church should seek to reach the outcast in the community. Many outcasts in society anticipate rejection by Jesus and the church. Christians should be willing to seek and to save the lost by reaching one outcast at a time. Let me give you and set up the scripture we're about to read. Luke chapter 19, before Luke 19, there's Luke 18. 18 through 23 is very important. Many scholars have noted the contrast between the story of Zacchaeus and the story of the rich ruler. But Luke tells the story as kind of a balance to the sad tale of the rich young ruler in the previous chapter. There's a helpful comparison between the two men. By far, the most impressive parallels are between the accounts of the rich ruler in verses 18 through 30 and of Zacchaeus in chapter 19. Both are rulers. According to his self-evaluation, the first keeps the commandments, while Zacchaeus is, according to popular opinion, a sinner. So one keeps the commandments and one is a sinner. And the ruler is counseled to sell all he has and give to the poor. And Zacchaeus sells half of his possessions and gives the proceeds to the poor. Both are wealthy. And in the first interaction, Jesus is asked, who then can be saved? And while at the conclusion of the second, Jesus asserts, today salvation has come to this house. Not much is known about Zacchaeus in the Gospel of Luke. 
He is characterized in four ways. Just, just humor me and let me give you this background. It's so important. He is a Jew. He is a ruler. He is a tax collector. And he is wealthy. Zacchaeus is usually referred to as a chief tax collector. Not just a tax collector. Come on, as soon as I said the word tax, you got in a bad mood. But he is a chief tax collector. A kind of a district manager with other tax collectors working as his subordinates. Zacchaeus, meaning righteous one. Here's a man with a name meaning righteous one who is taking money from the poor. It's a Jewish name. Many people feel as though they are too bad or too far gone for either God and or the church to accept them. They do not understand the true meaning of grace and the love that God has for them. And they will continue to avoid God in the church as long as they see themselves as outcasts that are outside of God's love and grace. Now, can I just have your attention for just a moment? So think about this message. I think there's not a group of people more dear to my heart than this group. There's been many times in my life where I felt like the odd man out. Even some funny instances. For instance, I am the only one in my family with blue eyes, blonde hair, and I'm left-handed on the right side of God. The rest of my family, dark hair, brown eyes. And that was a joke. Everybody used to say, you know, I was a pastor's kid. Everybody trying to find something to connect with the pastor. And I guess what was funny was, hey, is he adopted? (laughs) You know, that sounds funny. But after a while, being the only kid that's blonde haired, blue eyes, left handed, as you can tell, that still stuck with me today. I want to be a little vulnerable for a second. So many times in my own life, I felt like the outcast. For some reason, God called me to ministry and the pastor. I can think of different instances in my life. When I surrendered to the call as a young man, then head off the Bible college. And the moment I head off the Bible college, my lungs start collapsing and I was sent home because I could not finish. I felt like, God, what are you doing with me? I feel like I don't fit. Different areas of ministry that God's put me in and different places and different family issues. And I will not go into all of the circumstances, but there's been times in my life or I've either been misunderstood, or I've been too assertive, or I've had too big of a personality to where I've become the misfit or the outcast in life. But I do think, if we're all honest, all of us have a little bit of that in us. The outcast. Once you look at the first point I want to put up on the screen... Zacchaeus was simply this, an outcast. Zacchaeus was an outcast to his community. He was an outcast to society. He was an outcast to everyone in this community. 
In fact, in Luke chapter number 19, if you have your Bibles or if you want to read along with me on the screen, it says this. He entered Jericho. This was Jesus. Jesus was walking on this earth. He was healing and he was talking to people. And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was. But he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Since he was about to pass that way, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, can you imagine that? He knew his name. You know what I believe? I believe not only does God know the name and know your name, and God know the name of the people you love, but God knows the name of the people you don't think he deserves to know their name. I believe as a society, we should care for the victim. It's natural. It's what Jesus would do. But you know what else breaks my heart? What else breaks my heart is not only as the Jesus follower commanded to help the victim, but even help the ones who caused the problem in the first place. I may just lose 90% of you after that statement. They say the most segregated hour in America is every Sunday morning during church service. Where race separates, the good and bad separate, the differences separate, the political parties separate. But I believe that's nothing like Jesus. The reference to Zacchaeus in verse number six, I believe, as a sinner, marks him immediately as marginal in this community. As one who does not follow its standards, it's difficult to delineate Zacchaeus' offenses and his vocation as a toll collector may be reason enough to have stigmatism his way. Aren't you excited? This week is not only Easter Sunday, but it's also tax day. Somehow, those two just don't fit. Maybe that's why I'm preaching this message. People still do not like paying taxes. Tax collectors in the first century not only collected taxes for the government, they also were known for collecting more than was due and keeping the extra money for themselves. You see, nobody in Jericho liked Zacchaeus. He would be the one known by name to millions of people years later. He was exactly the kind of man everybody despised, not only a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. One can only imagine the reaction of neighbors and even of friends and relatives as Zacchaeus' house became more lavishly decorated, as more slaves ran about as his biting, and his clothes became finer and his food richer. Everyone knew This was their money and that he had no right to it. And everyone knew that there was nothing they could do about it. Have you ever felt like, yeah, they get what they deserve? You can lie in church or be honest with me. Yeah, they they belong there. Yeah, they, they get what they deserve. I've been that way. Serves you right. Just the other day. 
I think sometimes being transparent, I'm just thinking in my mind, may, may, you may not like that, but just the other day, someone sped and cut me off. And then they sped up even more. And then I drove past them and I drove past them and the popo had them. <laughs> With a ticket and I drove by and said, they got what they deserved. Ha <laughs> ha. Anybody ever done that? Okay. Now, now you feel me. Yeah. There is a fleshly reaction to someone who causes offense. There is a reaction in life, hear me now, when someone causes offense to another. You get angry. You want to protect. You want to judge. You want to cast them out. And I'm going to try and get you to work a little bit in your mind and your heart spiritually. As much as my flesh thinks that people get what they deserve, Jesus came to take their place. Not for you and your warm heart from the most wicked person you can think about. It's important for us to realize that Zacchaeus, known as the outcast, someone that we could say, he deserves what he gets. May I remind you, friend, that everybody in this room deserves what we should get. But because of the Holy Week and because of Easter, we all get a free pass to heaven when we trust in Jesus Christ. If you think about these passages of Scripture, this is a hard stretch for us. It's easy to think of a Jesus who came to save our children. It's easy for us to think of a Jesus who came to save people in this room. It's easy for us to think of whoever's like us or we can tolerate. You know, they don't believe in God, but I, I just want them to come to church because they're so nice. But I happened to think the other day I could have quit on, on the lady that told me no because she wasn't nice to me. She was mean to me. Or I can respond in a manner that would be like Jesus to be drawn to the people that aren't like me or believe like me and show them long-suffering, hoping they trust in his name. He was an outcast. Could imagine the void and shame in his life. The self-hate that was going on that made him even probably angrier and made him take more money. To the point that he got so desperate that he climbed a tree. Anybody in their 40s climbed a tree lately? We, 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 we look at, some of you are like, well, I just did. What's wrong? No, you know what we do to this Bible? We act like it's a Harry Potter book full of just stories that can encourage us and make us laugh. These are the inspired words of God. And Jesus walked on this earth and touched all groups of people. 
And it wasn't pretty tied up in a little bow where everybody said, oh, look, Jesus is going after the tax collector. It's so wonderful in the name of Jesus. If you read the whole chapter, people got ticked at Jesus for knowing the evil one's name and not knowing their name. Throughout history, church has been full of Pharisees and hypocrites that have made the religion about them, which has hurt the cause of Christ. And Jesus didn't die just for you. He died for people you hate. He died for people you think deserve hell. He died for people that you think ought to go into Bolivian. He died for people that don't understand. He died for the atheist. He died for the sinner. He died for the homosexual. He died for the Christian that is not saved. He died for the religious person. Jesus, my Jesus, died for all mankind. And when we take the Bible in little stories and don't understand the messiness of what Jesus did, the outcast will stay the outcast. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus reached Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 9, 19 and verse 6, he says, So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I I want you to think about this because I I want you to take it in the context of us. In this Bible that you say you believe, Jesus didn't just say, come down, come here. Anybody done that there, kid? I did that yesterday from the bottom of the stairs thinking about it. Now, right now. Any of my family know I get a little deeper and go, now. Jesus didn't do that. This breaks my heart because we treat people this way. Jesus didn't say, hey, you're a sinner. I came to save you. You're going to like it. He warmingly walked over and he said, Zacchaeus, today is your day. Salvation. I got to think of a man that got so desperate that he was the wealthiest man in the community. But that money didn't fill that hole in that heart. He got so desperate that he climbed a tree to the point of climbing a tree so he could get a glimpse of the one that he wished would understand, that he wished could save him, that he wished would be able to go to heaven. And what did Jesus do? Jesus didn't condemn Zacchaeus and read a list of his sins. Jesus did what many people who go to church don't like. Jesus walked right over. In verse 6, he said, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this. And listen, here we go. Here's the messiness. And all the people saw this. And began to mutter. You know what that means? Mumble. Gossip. Criticize. Make excuses. 
tear down. They're out of their comfort zone. You know, sometimes I, I, I do maybe, I was thinking the day I asked them to sing a song and change the service and, and I'm all nervous getting ready. I told Lori getting ready. I'm like, man, I may have blown the service today because I asked to sing the song before five minutes before the service actually start. I do things. You know, I do things and I try and get people uncomfortable and you may not like it or like, I'm sorry, but I do it because whatever God can get in my head to give me an idea to do to reach more people who feel like Zacchaeus. I want to do it. And Jesus' words to Zacchaeus would have been surprising. Surprising. This is the only instance in the Gospels. I want you to listen to this because I'm running out of time. This is the only instance in the Gospel, listen, which Jesus invites himself to another person's house. Can I clap or do something to get your attention? No, I don't mean you clap. I'm trying to get your attention. I'm sorry. (laughs) Jesus didn't invite himself to the one who was in church attendance and knew the Bible well. I'm not against that. that. That would be me. I'm part of that crowd that some of you sometimes misinterpret what I say. That That's me. Jesus invited himself to the outcast house. The only instance, find it in the Bible, more than one. The only instance where Jesus invited himself. You know why I believe that? I believe because sometimes, let's say Ty is the outcast. That's what Kenzie told me he was. Uh, Ty is the outcast. You know what I believe outcasts need? Outcasts sometimes have a hard time believing you really care. You know why? Because they get mean. When they feel uncomfortable, I got to get out of here. When someone shows love, oh, wait till they really know me. When they really know me, they're not going to love me. Yeah, they're not going to love me because the way I don't think like that. I'm not a churchgoer. I don't know the Bible. When they love me, so what do they do? They sabotage the relationship. Why? Because most people won't get out of their comfort zone. Jesus showed us a pattern of how to reach the outcast is we invite ourselves into their life. Every morning, another pastor came uh, uh, Thursday morning. I was in Starbucks, the one I always go to. Every pastor, the pastor came and said, hey, don't you have an office? I've been in there before. I said, yep, but this is my office until that girl over there knows that Jesus loves her unconditionally. You know how many times that girl has told me no? You know how many times this week she's going to tell me No. Why? Because an outcast will reject the intimacy of a relationship because there's nobody that knows the outcast better than themselves of how dirty they feel, how hollow they feel, how hurt they feel, and know the damage they cause in every relationship. And so Jesus, I believe, this is my belief, this is my interpretation. I believe Jesus looked at a man that had humility. Jesus looked at a man that was desperate. Jesus looked at a man who was wicked. Jesus looked at a man who was all alone. And he not only said this gospel for you, but he invited himself into his life to show him I'm not going anywhere I came for you and so he came down at once 
You know, we think, we think because we're going to invite some, you know, what we think, we think because uh, we put this names on this wall. Magically, they're all going to come. No, because stats tell us the majority of them may not come. But you know what that wall needs right there? That wall needs us to invite ourselves into their life. Now, I wouldn't just recommend you walking into a stranger's home and sitting yourself down. But you get the picture. I, I, I got to give you the last point. Last two, really. Man, I haven't got through this sermon. You got to remember what you're getting into with an outcast. But let me tell you, because Jesus invited himself in, Zacchaeus' life was changed. It was changed. You know how it was changed? It was changed because intimacy happened. It was changed because not only did he share the gospel with the crowd, he noticed the outcast in the tree and said, I've got to make sure that he knows I'm for him as well. So he walked over and gave him a personal invitation that rocked his world forever. And so Zacchaeus' life was changed. And in verse number eight and nine, it says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. You know, you know, I, studying this text before I preached it, I really had to battle in my own life. Come on, stay with me. Let's be honest together. I battle sometimes thinking people deserve what they get. It's hard for me. I've lived my whole life trying to honor Christ. And then in an instance, this man's life is forgiven. That's what religion tells you. But his life was changed and Today is the day of salvation. After meeting Jesus, Zacchaeus' life was truly changed. Today I have to stay at your house becomes today's salvation has come to this house. And Zacchaeus' conversion affected others as well. Jesus' statement regarding conversion relates not only to Zacchaeus, but also to his household. His household. Listen, this is important. This, this is what I wanted to drive home and maybe I spent too much time in other areas. I'm passionate about this. You want to know why? Because it's not just about the outcast. Someone has to live with the outcast. The outcast has children. The outcast has friends. The outcast has family. The outcast has a mom who lives in pain because of the boy's decisions. The outcast has a dad. The outcast has people they influence. And when we give up on the outcast, we miss out on a huge mission field that the outcast has the ability to reach. And my friend, I'm sorry. I just happen to think in Fishers, there's a lot more people that feel like an outcast. 
I just happen to think in, in this area, there's a lot more people that feel shunned. There's a lot more people that feel like a misfit. There's a lot more people living with evilness in their heart. There's a lot more people that are pushing away other people in relationships. There's a lot more people that think they have no hope in Jesus. There's a lot more people that think that religion is not for them. And there's a whole lot more people that think people wouldn't care anyway. And as I look at these notes, they are different. They bring their shame, they bring their hurt, and they cause your life to get messy when you lean into outcast. And Zacchaeus' faith and repentance was illustrated by a changed life. When Zacchaeus offers to pay back those he has wronged, he agrees to the most demanding penalty of all. I wrote this in my notes this morning. When God transforms those around, will feel the impact of their transformation. So when I look at people that are outcast, I don't just look at them and their potential. I look at who they know. I think about who they can touch if their story is redeemed. I think about who they can change if their story is redeemed. I think about who they can speak into if they understand who Jesus is in their life. And Jesus saw the change in Zacchaeus' heart and actions. And Jesus was pleased in response to Zacchaeus' conversation. Jesus will recognize and commend the change of heart, which is evidence of genuine faith in God. Now here's... Just gonna just write this statement down for those of you the note takers and get really upset at me because I don't give you all the points. The mission of Jesus was to reach one who was lost. He shows us multiplication right before our eyes. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Many people who observed Zacchaeus' conversion did not understand Jesus' mission. We miss it. We miss the mission. The mood on the street does not match the festivity in the house. Did you hear me? The mood on the street. Jesus walked into the house and and I was thinking about this illustration of opening a door, but maybe it was pushing over a blanket. You know, it wasn't touching a code for sure. It wasn't a Bluetooth phone. Anyway, uh, he, he, he moves the, the, the whatever door, goes in the house. And can you, can you hear? Can you hear people uttering? Oh my gosh, Jesus, somebody save him. Where's the police? He's going in the house. And he goes into the house and it, it, it didn't match what was happening in the house. And they liked Jesus' miracles, but they did not care for his personal associations. Be careful, my friend. When you attach yourself to Jesus, he may take you places you never intended to go. Be careful, my friend. He may put you at a job that you may hate in order to be missional to reach someone for Christ. Be careful, my friend. He may put you in a position in life to reach the outcast because when we attach ourselves to miracles, we attach ourselves to circumstances and we attach ourselves to people who are messy. So true. Let's not be this way of thinking of outcasts. Grace is forever scandalous because it is forever understood. Grace is a scandal because it insists on including those whom we wish to exclude. The story of Zacchaeus illustrates such grace. In many ways, Zacchaeus illustrates the mission of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Zacchaeus is like the prodigal, the lost coin, and the lost sheep. He is one who has been healed by the great physician. Jesus came to reach one man named Zacchaeus who was lost. Have you ever been lost before? 
Anybody been lost? A couple years ago, I just came to this area. There was someone in the hospital downtown in Indy. Gave me a room number and said, this person's dying. They have no church home, have no pastor. Would you go pray with him, see if you could pray with him? I said, sure. I go down, get on the elevator. They started with letters and then numbers. So I went to this section, I believe it was E. The number E, the number I walk in, and there's this family, and they're sitting there. and They were laughing, and I didn't understand. They're laughing. Man, why are you laughing? Loved one's about to die. And I walked in, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. My name's Mark. I'm the pa- a pastor of Hamilton Hills, and uh, I'm so sorry I have to be here today. I'm like, we don't know who you are, but welcome. Come in. I'm like, yeah, of course they don't know. They probably didn't tell. And uh, I'm like, uh, I'm so sorry. He goes, uh, well, you know, it was a little bit of discomfort, but uh, everything's okay now. I'm like, man, they must be people of faith. I'm like, wow, yeah, you're right. Everything's going to be okay. Heaven is real. He had his gallbladder removed and was going home in two hours. <laughs> I was lost. <laughs> you thought you were about to get some serious story. <laughs> Fooled you. Uh, you ever felt lost? Finally, the, the E, it was an F. I wrote it down as an E. And I prayed with that family. I felt so out of place. I laughed my head off. They laughed at me. That hurt my feelings a little. But they laughed at me. I'm walking down the hallway laughing. That's who Jesus came for. Those confused. Those that don't know their way. Those that don't think anybody cares. And in all reality, fleshly, those who don't deserve anybody's care. So the week before Easter, as I think of the picture of Jesus riding on a donkey, what we call Palm Sunday, Holy Week is happening. Friday, we'll take communion together and we'll worship the name of Jesus all weekend long. May we not forget that Jesus didn't come just for the people like me and you. Jesus came for the people you hate. Now, that's a strong word. And you probably don't have any hate in your heart, but we all have some prejudice. We all have things we think people don't deserve. And so here's how I want to end today. Would you stand to your feet with me? Here's what I'm going to ask. I'm, I'm going to ask this for you, not to lose your attention, but I'm going to ask you, I don't know what you've gone through. Could be death in your family this year already. It could be a loss of a job. It could be someone's offended you. It could be someone's hurt you. It could be you don't feel like you fit in, whatever it is right now. The Bible says our, our, our church should be called a house of prayer. And I'm going to ask this response time to be a little bit more intimate prayer time. I'm going to ask some of you to be bold if you would. And maybe you have a name on that wall. Would you take time to come stand at that wall and pray over the names on that wall? Maybe you need to pray with your spouse. Maybe you need the leaders of our church to pray over you. Maybe you're about to have a big ask for someone who's an outcast this week to come next Sunday or someone's rejected you. Whatever it is, could we make this a house of prayer? What God calls it and pray for all people that God wants to reach all mankind. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, 
If our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.